Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talk with the Doc, the show where we bring your questions to Providence medical experts for insight and information. I'm your host, Mary Renoff, and here with me today is Dr. Sean Schneider. He's a hospitalist with Pacific Medical Centers in Seattle, Washington. And today we're answering your questions about a variety of men's health topics. Remember, everyone, all of our questions come from you via social media. We can be found on Twitter at PSJH and on Facebook under Providence St. Joseph Health. Use the hashtag Talk with the Doc for a chance to hear your questions on our episodes. Before we start, I want to remind our listeners that the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. You should always consult a healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. So let's get started today by welcoming Dr. Schneider. Thanks for having me. Uh, tell our listeners before we get started just a little bit about your role here. So I'm an internal medicine physician with Pacific Medical Centers, and I primarily work in the hospital, uh, taking care of our sicker patients who have to spend the night in the hospital. Awesome. Well, this topic was very broad, and the questions came all over the gamut of men's health. So thank you for giving us your time, because you're going to cover a lot of topics. Um, the first one comes in and says, is it true that men don't live as long as women, and by how much, and why? <laughs> Um, it is true. Uh, so it, life expectancy is about five years shorter for men than women. Um, so on average in the U.S., you're talking about 76 years for men, about 81 years for women. So about about five year difference. Um, why is a why? bigger question, um, and it, I don't. It's not a, a straightforward answer, but um, I, I think that. Probably most uh, of those of that is going to be driven by by hormonal differences and how those you know affect the body over time. But there are other factors, you know, behavioral things that are different between men and women that, that factor into that as well. Um, and are men seeing? I feel like men are seeing a lot more heart disease and high blood pressure and cholesterol. Is that just a theory or is that true? Um, yes and no. M men are tending to see it earlier. Okay. Um, so, you know, if you, if you talk about like, you know, that you can talk, you can go through, have a whole talk about the risk factors for heart disease or other vascular disease or stroke and things like that, you know, and talk about, um, you know, genetics and talk about, you know, bad habits like smoking, but the number one risk factor is still age beyond, okay. beyond all that, you know, you can have all the worst habits in the world and it's still pretty uncommon to have a heart attack at age 40. True. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, what, what you see is that the risks aren't necessarily, um, different, but they're earlier. So, you know, men are, you know, getting these same diagnoses five plus years earlier than women on average. Okay. And they're getting these diagnoses usually because they're coming in for symptoms or are you actually doing a lot of screenings during a regular primary care physician visit? Um, both, but yeah, you're primarily, you know, you're, you're catching these things, you know, through screening. So you're, you're hopefully, you know, you're, you're finding high blood pressure and you're finding high cholesterol before it progresses to the point of, of heart attacks and strokes. But that's definitely not always the case. And, you know, it, it's certainly maybe something that we struggle with more in this country as opposed to the rest of the developed world because of having less access to primary care that you you are getting more people that slip through the cracks and get to the point of having a heart attack or a stroke or something else bad happen um, because no one was following and diagnosing their high blood pressure or high cholesterol or they were just avoiding going to see the doctor which is I think a problem a lot of men have as well well definitely because we got this question from a lot of people which is my husband goes a long period of time without seeing his doctor how do I help correct that 
<laughs> why, why, are, why are we afraid of the doctor? <laughs> uh, how, how, how long do you have? Right. Um, I, I mean, you know, I, I think that maybe there, there's, you know, the, the, the sort of machismo stereotypes around men and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tough and I'm healthy and I don't, I don't need this, you know, and it's my job to be, uh, you know, the, the strong, you know, sure. caregiver provider for the family. And, and, you know, we're thinking about taking care of everyone else and not ourselves maybe, but, um, I think that, that, you know, what it's going to take, you know, f- to convince uh, your your husband in the case of this question or partner or, or other family member, um, that's going to be an individual challenge, but sure. it's something, it's a challenge that's, that's worth confronting. I mean, I think with, you know, a lot of, you know, when these conditions, you talk about treating high blood pressure or treating high cholesterol before it progresses to uh, heart disease or strokes is that you're treating things that don't cause symptoms until it's too late. And so you're saying, you know, well, you know, come in, get screened, get started on a medicine that may in some cases cause side effects when you were feeling fine beforehand, because you're looking at, you know, preventing something bad from happening down the road. That's a tough sell. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely can be. Well, what kind of screenings do you typically think men should get? Um, you know, it, it depends on their on their age and and situation. Um, you know, there there are certain screenings um, that everyone should get. You know, ba- based on their age, um, and then there are certain screenings that we do based more on on risk factors and, and family history that might change what screenings you get or what age you get them at. Um, but you know, you, the you know big ones you're talking about are blood pressure, cholesterol. Um, you know, you getting your getting your prostate checked, getting screened for diabetes, and then as you get into older ages, you know, cancer screening like uh, like colonoscopy. Um, you know, uh, we're there's different um, lung cancer screening and aneurysm screening that we recommend to people with with smoking histories. Um, you know, the, the 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 list goes on. You know, almost everyone in the baby boomer generation should be screened for hepatitis C at least once. Oh wow. Um, are there, I mean, how often should you, I mean, what's the typical, like, sh- I should see a doctor at least once a year, I should get blood work at least once a year, what's the going reco? Um, I think that, that a good rule of thumb is once a year at a minimum. Okay. Um, and and then, you know, depending on what health problems you do or don't have, that that, that frequency may change beyond that. But I think getting getting the annual, the annual check-in is, is a good baseline recommendation. Um, whether that comes with with blood work and what blood work will depend, you know, I mean, certainly as you get older, we're going to recommend cholesterol screening at least annually. But for younger men, that may not, that may not be the case. So if I do get blood work, if, if I'm a man and I come in for blood work, what am I typically getting tested for? On, on a screening basis, that's typically just going to be cholesterol. Oh, okay. Um, you know, again, if, if you're coming in with symptoms, you know, there are a lot of other things that we, that we do blood tests for, but it's actually sort of a common um, thing I get with, with sicker patients I see in the hospital is, you know, you know, oh, this has been going on for a while. Why didn't this get picked up on quote unquote, my blood work? But, you know, we take your blood, but we all, it's only tested for the things we send it for testing for. And so, you know, absent any symptoms when you're talking, you know, just about screening, um, the, the thing you're typically thinking of going in for the, the blood test where you've got to, you know, be fasting beforehand and not have anything mm-hmm. to eat or drink. That's, that's typically cholesterol testing okay. that we're doing. Um, in certain cases, you know, that you, you may also be getting a diabetes screen with mm-hmm. that, uh, blood sugar. Um, but, uh, those would be really on, the only sort of standard recommendations. So if I were coming in just once a year, should I plan on fasting before that appointment? Because I'm going to assume you want to do blood work. 
it's a good idea. Um, you know, I, unless I think, your appointment's at five I, o'clock. I, well, in the evening. yeah, exactly. I think I think you can you know you can say you can um, you talk to the office and let them know. You know, and sometimes the, what what you'll what you'll be wanting to do with an annual appointment is come in and get some labs done the day before, so that oh, the doctor already has the results sense, yeah. at the time of your appointment. That can often be a lot more helpful. And you know, we're getting away from you know sometimes. If it's hard to get you get your you know the man in your life to go into the doctor's office, I would say that how much the the modern cholesterol tests are limited by eating is not is not so bad that we okay. wouldn't say well I'd rather have a, a non fasting cholesterol than nothing at all because this is the one time you're going to show up at the doctor's office for the year. <laughs> We're going to do it regardless. Well, what what should men be looking for in the terms of cancer? Like obviously you've got the the main kinds of cancer, but there's got to be certain things that men are more susceptible to. Um, yeah, you know, there, there are certain things that are that are male specific, right? You talk about sure. prostate cancer, you know, um, I mean, uh, you know, that's that's a male specific cancer. Um, and yet, men don't think about breast cancer, but they absolutely can get it. Like, yeah, you 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 can. Again, that's one that that's you know vastly more common in women, but right. it's not it's not zero in men. And if you have you know some weird unexplained lump, you know, whether it's you know chest or breast or anywhere else, you know, that, sure. that that's growing, it's a good idea to ask your doctor about it because yeah, I mean. Breast cancer is one among many cancers that when it occurs in men, it it's more deadly. And whether that's because, you know, men don't get screened as early and these cancers are found that they're more progressive by the time that they're they're caught. But a lot of the same cancers like, you know, colon cancer um, that's common, in, you know, a relatively common cancer in both men and women is more deadly in men. Why is that? Great question. Great question. Not, You're like, if I could not, solve um, that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and, and it's not entirely, uh, it, it's not entirely clear, you know, that this sort of, you know, correlation doesn't prove causation, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, again, again, whether it's a, a case of, you know, men not doing well in, with screening and getting caught later on in the de- in the disease course or, or different physiologic factors of the disease in men, um, difficult to say. Sure. But it, it is it does seem to be a relatively common finding off a lot of different kinds of cancers that the same cancer causes more mortality in men than women, and it's not something that's 100% well understood. Hmm. Well, we, you, we said that, you know, at the very least, you should see a doctor once a year. Is there an age at which you should start seeing the doctor more frequently? I mean, I think that those annual visits start to become more important after age 40, mm-hmm. uh, but... I wouldn't, you know, there there are people who are very healthy, you know, into their 90s. And if you're healthy without medical problems, you know, it's not, it doesn't suddenly become necessary that you see the doctor twice a year instead of once a year just because of how old you are. Right. I think if you start at that baseline of getting a checkup once a year and then how how much more often you might need to be seen beyond that is more a function of, uh, you know, of your different medical problems and conditions than it is of just your age. Makes sense. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to start digging in a little bit more to some questions we had on overall men's health. Look for the good in everything. Look for the people who will set your soul free. It always seems impossible until it's done. Look for the good in everyone. Look for the good in everything 
good in everyone. We're back with Talk with the Doc. I'm your host, Mary Ranoff, and I'm here with Dr. Schneider, and we're talking about men's health. So, Doc, here's a question that we got. What is my prostate, and why is it important? <laughs> um so the the prostate is a is a small organ or gland that uh, that sort of wraps around the uh, the urine outflow tract from um, from the bladder to the penis um, and primarily exists to secrete components of the ejaculate, um, not the sperm themselves, but other components that are that are present there. Um, you're really though what you're more concerned about is the problems that it tends to cause men as they get older um and and those really kind of fall into two categories um one is just um, more benign enlargement of the prostate but which can cause problems in terms of blockage of that urine flow from the from the bladder to the penis and and ultimately out Um, and so you know you get the problems there with incontinence with difficulty emptying the bladder with bladder infections etc um and then the other issue can be uh, cancerous growths um, or prostate cancer. Okay. Well, we got a lot of questions about a lot of different topics, uh, ranging from everything from acne to high cholesterol. Um, what is the the number of people, or why do does it seem that men have higher cholesterol overall? Um, it, you know, it's probably horm- mostly hormone related, um, okay. in, in terms of, you know, the fact that, that men have much more testosterone, which, uh, tends to sort of worsen that cholesterol profile. Um, and, uh, as opposed to your, your female hormones, which tend to broadly improve that, that changes some as women go through menopause, but this right. is not a, a women's health talk. Um, but yeah, <laughs> there's a whole lot of estrogen conversation <laughs> we could have, but we're not going to, <laughs> well, d- is it true that men typically also have higher blood pressure? Um, Yes, but um, in general, that doesn't mean that, 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 that having high blood pressure is normal or healthy. Mm, so okay. again, both, both men and women get into problems with high blood pressure. Men tend to get it earlier than women and worse, but it's, it's a problem in, in both genders. And the guidelines for treating it don't change like, oh, we're going to allow you to have a higher blood pressure and say it's healthy because you're a man. You're high blood pressure is, is high blood pressure. Um, well, this question says, as a teenager, I struggled with bad acne. Now I'm in my 20s and I still have it. Will it eventually go away with age as I get older or should I just try to manage it as I go? Um, I mean, those those teenage hormone changes uh, tend to cause the, wor- the worst acne, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and that's why broadly speaking, it tends to be worse in that, in that adolescent, you know, early 20s age group um, and tends to improve with time as those hormone levels stabilize and go down. Um, but that doesn't mean it goes away in everybody. You know, it, it's a distribution. So just saying it's more common in this age group doesn't mean it doesn't continue to persist and continue to be a problem into older age groups. Um, and there are different approaches to treating it, but, you know, really troublesome acne um, will still sometimes, you know, require referrals to, to dermatologists, sure. but your primary care doctor can can manage a lot. And the first, first step is talking about it, not just, you know, assuming that it's going to go away and you should ignore it because sometimes you're talking about, you know, processes that leave scars, scars for life right. and, you know, disfigurement that, that's there long after the acne itself is gone. Mm-hmm. And there are other things other things that may look like acne and and not be that. Oh, good point. Right. And right. and so, you know, again, something that's not behaving in a in a um sort of common or predictable way, you know, is something that's is worth, you know, bringing up with your doctor. Sure. Um, are there special health concerns that people need to be aware of based on race? 
Um, you know, I think there are there are certain conditions that may be more common in different racial or ethnic groups. You know, like uh, like diabetes can be more common in, in African American or Native American people, um, and and you may see sort of shifts in the prevalence of of one or the other thing. There, there's not it's not as though any of these things are things we're just going to screen you for based on your race right. or not screen you for you know if you're if you're not of that racial group so yeah some some prevalence some some risk factors will will change but the the overall sort of screening recommendations and what we're looking at what we're screening for is not going to change that much well this question we got from several people and i i think actually women sent it in is it true that men have a midlife crisis and if so what does that consist of <laughs> um not a medical term uh, okay <laughs> um you know i i think that, that mental health though is something that's that's underdiagnosed and under mm-hmm. underreported at any age um you know and i think in in the sense that you know a midlife crisis might be a term that's you know referring to other psychological distress, sure. you know, and and the importance exists for you know addressing depression and anxiety and, and the other issues that can occur in that regard. Um, but uh, I, I wouldn't say that that midlife crisis is a specific uh, medical diagnosis. There's a lot of things I could say here, but I'm just gonna let it go. But I think staying on on kind of that mental health side, this question says I'm an outgoing guy in my 40s, but I get anxiety going into a full room or a party full of people I don't know. How should I manage this? Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of follow-up questions that Absolutely. you want to ask. Yeah. Uh, you you want to ask that person, but certainly, you know, there are a lot of things that can cause you know social anxiety, um, and whether it's it's an it's an isolated thing like just an isolated social or performance anxiety, or whether what they're describing is, is a symptom of something else. You know, yeah, again, there's a, there's a lot of follow-up questions with that. Um, you know, just occurring you know in in isolation may not necessarily be that concerning, and you know, some people are more or less that way, and you know, sometimes there's situations where if it's just for a very discreet like you know i i only get anxiety problems when i have to give a presentation to large groups right. of people and that's something i have to do you know once or a month or less there might be some you know one off or as needed medication we might prescribe for that whereas if it's something where you're dealing with crippling anxiety every time you leave the house that might be something right. that we're you know looking at a different sorts of medications to to put you on every day for but I think really what we're getting at here is not to be afraid to ask your doctor if you have symptoms or you have things that are concerning to you, right? Definitely, yeah. And, and again, I think yeah, coming back to that, you know, don't 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 be the tough guy who you know ign- right. ignores these things until they get worse or until it's too late. Absolutely. Well, um, what would you say is a proper healthy diet for a man at any age? I assume it does change over time. I think your 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 calorie requirements, you know, may, may change depending, you know, both on age, but probably you know more so also based on activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you know that there's sort of you know basic aspects of of a balanced diet. You know, I mean, you know, make sure you're you're having you know there's some you know some carbohydrates, some some fats, um, uh, some fiber, you know, um, protein, et, et cetera. But um, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of, you know, these sort of fatty or um, sort of fatty sounds like fatty, but um, <laughs> like the keto diet, yeah, you know, or, any of these fad yeah. diets or, or very specific or very restrictive diets, I don't think are, are helpful for men or women. You know, I, I think that it, it's it's still at the end of the day, you know, barring the weird restrictions, you know, I think you're really more looking at calories in versus calories out, you know, and so 
eating a diet that's commensurate with the amount of activity, you know, that sure. you're engaging in to not be gaining a lot of weight. Now for certain specific medical conditions, you know, there are situations with high blood pressure or heart disease where we're having a medical reason to avoid salt, or there are situations, you know, like uh, diabetes where we're having a med medical indication to regulate sugar. Um, but, you know, outside of those diet, those specific diets that we recommend for specific medical conditions, I, I, I think that um, just balance is key. And, and yeah, I, I would come back to, to calories in versus, versus calories out. It's the story of everybody's <laughs> life. Um, is there a, kind of a, a healthy point for how often men should work out in a week? Is there too little? Is there too much? Um, there's definitely too little. I, I don't, I doubt there's too much, you know, again, unless you're getting injured. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but, but no, I mean, I think that, you know, there, there are these, you know, recommendations, uh, for, you know, 150 minutes of, uh, of moderate, uh, activity or, or 75 minutes of vigorous activity per week that, you know, you can sort of break up and however it works for you is that, is that, you know, is for, is that 150 moderate, 150 minutes of moderate activity, 30 minutes, five times a week, or, you know, is that, you know, one, one big workout, you know, <laughs> I, I think with a lot of this stuff, it's more about like what's sustainable and what you can build into your life. So, you know, you can have the greatest exercise regimen in the world, but if you can only keep it up for, you know, a couple of weeks or a couple of months, right. you know, versus, you know, whatever you can do that you build into your lifestyle and, and become something that you're going to be able to consistently do is, is far more important for your long-term health. Sure. I liked this question. What are some common myths about men's diets? Um, most of them. <laughs> I mean, again, you know, I, I keep it pretty basic with, with the dietary stuff. I mean, you know, again, outside of diets that are recommended to spe treat specific conditions, I think, you know, we get a lot of um, – you know, is, is there some some food I can eat or something I can restrict? You know, in my diet that's going to treat this or that. Um, and and really, there there's not a lot of that out there that you know you can eat certain superfoods that are going to have major you know health benefits. Um, so I, I find that that yeah, you know, most of the questions I get about specific foods or specific diets are myth related. Myth related, exactly. <laughs> are there common foods though that you would tell <laughs> men to start avoiding as they age? Like, are eggs worse for you as you get older for cholesterol? Is that even true? No. <laughs> um, hey, we're I, busting myths. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, and 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 that's the that's the thing is that you know these like food avoidance. You know, I mean, how it's sort of basic psychology that like if I tell you to avoid one thing, what's the one thing you're gonna want? I want that one. You know, right now, <laughs> exactly. You know, and so you're gonna you know hold off for as long as you can, and then you're gonna binge on it or or what have you, or you're just gonna be unhappy all the time. You know, I, th I think it's balance. You know, that there there's no like I'm not gonna tell you you know don't have an egg. I'm gonna say you know maybe don't have a six egg omelet every day, but that's yeah. not a problem that's specific to eggs, that's just, you know, too many calories. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, yeah, I would definitely steer away from saying that you have to avoid specific foods. Um, again, outside of certain medical conditions where we're, again, we're telling you to avoid sugar for diabetes or regulate sugar for diabetes, or we're telling you to avoid large loads of salt for heart failure or high blood pressure. But it, for, for general health purposes, no, I mean, again, I think it's, it, I think it just, it comes back to that, you know, calories in calories out, you know, balanced diet, but not, yeah, nothing about specific foods. I think that that's going to do a lot more harm than good. Why is it, it seems that men carry a lot of extra weight in their belly. Why is that? And then what is the medical harm to that? Oh, um, I mean, I think that, that, that you do see a pattern of, of men get more of this, um, this truncal obesity or, mm -hmm. you know, and then there was a lot of, uh, 
buzz around this sort of metabolic syndrome X mm-hmm. that um, that you that you would hear about. Um, you know, in in my work, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think I, you know, I'm we're looking pri- primarily at obesity, um, and uh, I can't necessarily speak to in 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 my experience, you know, wh- whether obesity in one area of the body or or another necessarily really does carry that mm-hmm. m- much more risk. Um, it seems like we always hear that men carry it in their stomach and their chest and then they get more heart conditions, but maybe they're just getting heart conditions in general and it isn't necessarily where they're carrying their weight. I, I mean, I think that, that yeah, you know, o- obesity carries an inherent r- increased risk of, you know, of, of heart disease, uh, of diabetes, of other things. Um, and I think that that's, you know, independent of whether the it happens to be more so, you know, around around your midsection. Sure. Well, I'm going to ask the question all women want to know. Why is it men can lose weight so much faster than we can? Like, I swear to you, men can like go on a diet and lose 20 pounds in two days and it takes us like six weeks to lose five. You know, I, I overall, you're sort of, you know, starting metabolic rate and your calorie needs tend to be higher for men than women. Um, so in more that that probably starts from more from more muscle mass on average, which kind of comes mm-hmm. back to that testosterone piece. Um, but you know, if um, if if my basal calorie need is two thousand calories a day and yours is fifteen hundred calories a day, we can both go on the same restricted diet, but my deficit is going to be bigger. True, so if I true, if yeah. I if I restrict myself to twelve hundred calories and my need is two thousand, you know, I've created a deficit of eight hundred a day. If you restrict yourself to twelve hundred, but your basal need is 1500 your deficit's only 300 so that deficit's going to work for me a lot quicker um you know again for almost anyone you know rapid rapid weight loss is usually not sustainable weight right, loss right. um and and so you know again i think you i wouldn't i'm not i'm not advocating for you know huge short-term calorie deficits like that um but in in answer to the specific question i guess that was that was where i was coming from there well, you mentioned testosterone. I think we have time for one more question. So this one says, I'm a 47-year-old male that suddenly has no libido. How can I fix it? And is this because I have low testosterone? Um, it can be related to low testosterone, but not necessarily. There are a lot, you know, there are other things that can cause problems with libido. And certainly, you know, with men with age, that's one of them. But that can be a symptom of other things as well, um, you know, and including other psychiatric diseases, you know, sure. like like depression, you know. Um, so I, it's not necessarily your testosterone. And certainly that's one thing to check for with that complaint, but there's going to be a lot of other follow-up questions to ask. You know, it's kind of like along with that, you know, you get the question, you know, I mean, you know, it's not just not necessarily a libido question, but like I can't get an erection, you know, do I need to go on Viagra? Well, maybe, but Mm -hmm. you know, there's more than one thing that can cause that problem. Right. And so it's definitely something to talk to your doctor about, but the answer isn't always quite so straightforward. Sure. Sure. Well, basically, we should be making appointments with our doctors. We should be letting them know if we have changes in, in any form of things, whether it's our libido, it's our blood pressure, it's our what we're eating, that sort of thing. Just not be afraid to talk to the doc. Yeah. At, at, at least once a year and go from there. At least once a year. Perfect. Well, thank you, Dr. Schneider, for joining us today and for your time and to everyone for listening and sending in your questions. You can follow PacMed Docs on Twitter at PacMedWA and on Facebook under Pacific Medical Centers. We look forward to future topics with more experts from PacMed and Providence. Make sure to follow us on social media at PSJH on Twitter and on Instagram and under Providence St. Joseph Health on Facebook. To learn more about our mission programs and services, visit future.psjhealth.org. Thanks for listening. Oh,